Perhaps you've just been too busy or too timid to make the changes that God has been pushing you to make in your life. Whatever the issue, health, education, marriage, family, serving at church, going on a missions trip, finances, cleaning out your house, fixing what's broken, know that God is sovereign and he's made a promise to us through his son. His promise is a rich and fulfilling life for all who put their faith in Jesus. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. The psalmist declares, you have tested us, O God. You have purified us like silver. As we all take time to rest and catch our breath this summer, we want to be inspired with faith to do all that God has called us to do. The Bible is full of examples of men and women of great faith and courage. Every one of them learned how to overcome temptation and pass the tests God gave them. We can all relate to Cain and Abel. Cain wanted to worship and serve God in the way that best suited him. He wasn't interested in following God's instructions or doing God's will. He had made a decision to serve God in his own way. You might say he made up his own religion. Many people do. They say, I won't do what the pastor says or what the Bible teaches, and I won't follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. I'll worship as I please. Cain's brother Abel, on the other hand, worshiped God exactly as God commanded, and Abel worshiped in faith. He was careful to obey God because he knew to obey is better than sacrifice. God greatly blessed Abel, and this infuriated Cain, so much so that he killed his brother. Cain failed the tests. But after thousands of years, Abel remains an example to us all of what it means to be fully submitted to God. He passed all the tests, and he was blessed for it. Thank you. And it's, it's great to see you today. Is everybody ready for a picnic? Have you got your sandals on, your running shoes, Jarrell? Going to win a few races? <laughs> uh, so, so thrilled to be here with you again today. And uh, I just want to show you a quick picture. This is from our, uh, this is a selfie of the pastor's, uh, yeah, you notice I just cut off all the fat parts of my face? Yeah, just, just the nose, you know it's me. Um, yeah, so all these pastors are all, all saying hello. They're all sending their greetings. They all want you to know how much they love you, how much they appreciate the generosity and the kindness of Cross Church. And so this morning, uh, I want to pass it on to you and just say thank you so much for your generosity, for your kindness, and for making it possible for Blake and I to go to Burundi. And I'll tell you, Young people absolutely loved and adored Blake. Um, I think we're going to have a hard time keeping Blake away from Burundi now. He's going to want to go <laughs> yeah, at, least, at least once a year, if not more. But uh, what a fantastic time of ministry. It was two weeks. Uh, the first few days were pretty low-key, but then we kicked it into gear. And it was, well, it was for me, the first week was a little bit more low-key. But I'll tell you, we, uh, we kicked it into gear, and God just blessed in such great ways. So I just, I just want to say thank you and to say how good it is to be home. So you can't really see how many people are, well, thank you. You can't really see how many people there because we've got most of a section cut off, but I think 
I think there was like, was there 160, about 160 people there, uh, most of them pastors, pastors and wives and, and whatnot. And I'll tell you, they absolutely uh, loved, loved what we did. And the, again, the youth, the youth uh, retreat, again, just never have they ever had anything in the history of their fellowship of churches. This is, I was all brand new to them and they absolutely loved it. So uh, Cross Church made that possible. And again, we wanna say thank you. So as uh, we heard in the video clip, we are beginning a brand new series today. Cross Church goes to summer school. How many people like school? That's what I thought, nobody. <laughs> but we're, we thought, well, take, we're gonna force you to go to summer school. And it's a, it's a summer school that deals with faith. And uh, I want us to understand today that Jesus calls us to be people of faith, which you're going to see in just a moment. And the writer of Hebrews tells us without faith, it is impossible to please God. So this tells us that this is something that we need to be experts on. So tell the person beside you, you need to be an expert in faith. Go ahead, tell them that. Yeah. So what'd they say? Are they in agreement? Okay, we know the Bible says this. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so what we're going to do this summer, if you maybe feel that you don't have a lot of faith, if your faith maybe is weak, if your faith is not where it needs to be, then we're praying that through the course of the summer, God will do something very special in you. Some of us are, have to work right through the summertime. We don't get any breaks or any holidays. But my prayer is that coming to church all through the summer months is going to be like going to camp every weekend. So you want to come here. We're going to experience God. God's going to speak to you. Your heart's going to be refreshed and encouraged. And we're praying that God will help you to grow. So we need to be people of faith. And we, uh, we need faith, folks, in every, uh, virtually every area of our lives. We need to grow. We need to mature. Uh, we need faith in order to have the kind of marriage that God wants us to have. We need faith to have the kind of family life that God wants us to have, a great relationship with our kids and with our grandkids. Uh, we, need, we need faith um, to continue in our service at church because it's easy to show up for church on Sunday and, you know, Janet's after you to serve here, serve there, help there, help there, and it's like, oh, here we go again. It would be so nice to have time off. But, hey, folks, if you understand that you are serving God in faith, that changes everything. That changes the equation, and it gives you joy and, and a thrill in serving him. And so we're praying that, again, your hearts will be filled with joy as you serve God in faith. Uh, perhaps God's speaking to you about your health. Again, we're going to speak to you a word of faith into your life so that you can start living the life that God wants you to live. And there's so many different areas. Maybe your finances. The summertime is a great time to get that sorted out. But Whatever it is that God's speaking to you about, we're praying that by faith you'll say, yes, Lord, I'm ready to do what you want me to do. So would you say that with me, yes, Lord? Ready? One, two, three. Yes, Lord. That's not bad. Should we try it one more time? Yes, Lord. Excellent. So that's what we're going to try to do for the whole summer, month. we're, uh, summer months. We're going to say, yes, Lord, we're ready to do by faith what it is that you're calling us to do. And you know what it is. Some of you are sitting here today, and things have not been good in your life. Things are not where they need to be. And God's been telling you there's things that need to change. And so what we're going to do is by faith, we're going to ask God for the strength to change things. How many know that God made a promise to us through his son, Jesus? 
And here's the promise that he made. Are you ready for this? Jesus said that the thief has come to rob and kill and destroy. Who's the thief? Are you sure about that? Who's the thief? Satan, that's right. He wants to wreck your life. And for some of you right now, you've been saying, you've been saying yes to Satan and not yes to God. And for that reason, your life is not where it needs to be. You're struggling right now. And God wants you now to understand that what you need to do is say yes to him. Because Jesus said, I have come that you have, might have life and have it more abundantly. We all know these verses because we actually, we repeat them very often here. Jesus wants you to have a great life. And so that's what the summer school is all about, is how to have a great life, how, how to function and live in faith, believing God, doing what God says so that you can have the life that God wants you to have. When we follow and obey Jesus, it changes everything. I'm going to tell you, you've heard me share this before, but you know, I did not grow up in a Christian home. It wasn't until some years later that my parents actually came in full surrender to Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you, in the moment that they said yes to God and said no to the enemy, no to the devil, it changed our family life. Suddenly, there was joy in our house like we'd never experienced before. Suddenly, our family had a purpose. Suddenly, we were doing things together as a family. Suddenly, my parents were more concerned about us than they were about all the other cares and worries and concerns in life. Folks, this is what happens when we yield to Jesus Christ. This is what happens when we say, yes, Jesus, I want the abundant life that you have promised me. How many want the abundant life that Jesus has promised you? Would you say yes to that? Would you say, yes, Lord, that's what I want? Well, folks, listen, it takes faith. It takes faith to do that. And so we're going to talk about that in just a few moments. But the question is this, and I know you're wondering this, how, how does all this work? How does having faith in Jesus, faith in God, change me? How do I, how do I solve my problems? What, what does that mean? Does God just wave his magic wand over me and suddenly everything is hunky-dory? To use a good North End term. I'm going to tell you, you know the answer to that. Obviously, no. God does not wave any magic wands. But he does do something in our lives on a regular basis. And here's what he does. In Psalm 66, verse 10, would you read that with me? You have tested us, O God. You have purified us like silver. So, folks, this is how God changes you. This is how you are transformed. This is how you get better and better and better. This is how you enjoy the abundant life more and more and more. You go through testings. You go through trials. You go through difficulties. God allows you to go through these things in order that you would be transformed. Now, here's the problem. Most of us here do not like tests. Does anybody here like tests? No. Sarah just finished writing some tests, and it's no fun. I, I hated tests. I, I, my prayer life really improved during that season. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and you quickly discover that you can pray all you want, but if you have not 
learn what you need to learn. You ain't passing any tests no matter how hard you pray. You can pray in tongues. You can pray through the scripture, but it ain't going to get you anywhere. Do you know that universities and colleges and schools have known for many centuries the way that we are transformed, the way that we change, and the way that we grow? And it's, it's through this process called teach and test. Would you say that with me? Teach and test. So the professors, the teachers, they teach, 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 teach. And then at the end of the module, at the end of the session, what do they do? They give you a test. And why are they testing you? To find out whether or not you're ready to go on to the next level, right? And if you can't pass the test, then what does that tell the teacher? You're not ready to advance. And for some of us, ready for this? Some of us, we're still in grade four or five. <laughs> we, we haven't got past that phase because we don't like tests. I, I don't want any tests in my life, God. Just, can we just be spared the tests? Just make me feel good. Just give me what I want. Give me the abundant life, but God, don't make me suffer. Don't let me go through difficulties. The fact is, is that if you're a Christian today, you are going to be tested because this has always been God's way. And you're going to see in a moment, it started right there in the Garden of Eden. The very first people who were ever tested, their names were, you know it. They were tested. And we find that throughout Scripture. In fact, uh, if you're reading through your Bible, start watching for the test. Start looking for the test. And you're going to see it from Genesis right through to Revelation. People are being tested. Because this is how we change. This is how we grow. When we make it through the test, when we pass the test, then God allows us to advance to the next level in our spiritual growth and our development and in our knowledge of him. It's thrilling. It's exciting stuff. But the question is this. Are you willing to say, yes, Lord, I'm willing. I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to grow. This summer, we're going to be looking through the book of uh, uh, Hebrews, but particularly chapter 11. We sometimes call this the chapter of faith or the, the hall of faith or hall of fame. Great men and women of faith throughout the centuries who said yes to God every time, who said, God, I'm willing to pass the test. I'm willing to do what you want me to do. I'm willing to be who you want me to be. So what I want to do is I just want to begin by reading the first six verses of Hebrews chapter 11. So if you have your Bibles, take them and turn to Hebrews chapter 11, and we're looking at verses 1 to 6. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 to 6. And he says, Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Now, by the way, before I go any further, when we talk about hope, as the scripture teaches it, it's not a matter of crossing our fingers and just hoping, hope this works, hope this works. It's a, there's a confidence that the thing that you're hoping for will actually come to pass. It will happen. It's not sort of a blind hope. It's, it's a confident hope. There's an assurance. The thing that I'm hoping that God's going to do in my life, he will, in fact, do it. How many are looking for God to do special work in your life today? How many want a miracle in your life? You want transformation. You want to change. You want to see answers to prayer. Well, this is what we're talking about, a faith that's going to see those answers to prayer. Through their faith, the people in days of old learned a good or earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that, we, that can be seen. 
It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man, and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. And watch this, verse 6, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So God declares that Abel is an example to us of what faith is. Look what it says here in Hebrews chapter 11, and we're looking at the third sentence in that chapter, or that verse, and it says, although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. And so this morning, we're going to look at the life of Abel. We're going to learn from him, because the Bible says that he still speaks to us by his example of faith. Let's look at the story of Cain and Abel. And again, some of you know the story, but if you don't, here, here's how it goes. Cain and Abel were the children of Adam and Eve, the first children. And when they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. And when it came time for harvest, Cain presented his offering to God, some vegetables and crops. And Abel brought a gift of a lamb. The best portions, the Bible says, are the firstborn lambs from his flock. And here's where the problem begins between Cain and Abel. The Lord accepted Abel's gift, but he rejects Cain's gift. And of course, Cain is looking at how God is blessing Abel. Remember what Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Well, that's what Abel was experiencing. He was experiencing this abundant life. Things are going good for him. And Cain is saying, what's the difference? Abel and I are brothers. We're both bringing our offerings to God and God's blessing him. But how come I'm not getting a blessing? This is not fair. Have you ever wondered about that? How come some are being blessed and how come I'm not being blessed? Oh, Cain was furious. Why was he so furious? Well, because his approach to God was quite different than Abel's approach. Abel was doing things God's way. Cain was doing things his own way. And Cain became so furious at Abel, and so, well, really, more furious at God. And so what he does is he kills his brother. The first slaughter, the first murder in the Scripture. Look at that. <laughs> We only got as far as Genesis chapter 4, and already we have a murder. This is human nature, people. This is what we're like. If we're not murdering people with our bare hands, we're murdering them in our hearts and in our minds. And suddenly we find a depression, a oppression, depression. We feel anger filling our hearts and clouding our minds, and we can't think straight, and our, suddenly our heart is far from God. This is Cain. He refused to do things God's way, and immediately he begins to experience everything but the abundant life that God wants for his people. How many know today that God wants you to experience an abundant life, a joyful life, a happy life? He doesn't want you to go through life miserable. 
Satan comes to rob and kill and destroy. And folks, if you're experiencing some uh, negative and terrible experiences in your life right now, could it be that maybe God's trying to let you see for yourself that maybe you're pursuing your own way and not God's way? Cain, if he would have just sort of looked at the circumstances, looked at it objectively, he would have seen, hey, my brother's being blessed. I'm not being blessed. I should try to figure out how to get what he's got. But he doesn't do that. Rather than submitting himself to God, he gets angry and kills his brother. Now, we know that Abel worshiped God in the manner prescribed by God, the manner that God wanted Abel to worship him. And you're going to see in just a few moments, you cannot recreate a faith, your own faith, you cannot come to God, approach God in your own way. You got to do it God's way. And folks, I'm going to tell you right now, in our world today, in our culture, in our society, we are seeing now what happens when people say, I don't care the way the church teaches. I don't care what the church teaches. I don't care what the church believes. I'm not doing what the church says. I'm going to do it my own way. I'm going to recreate a faith in according to my own knowledge, my own understanding, and my own experience. We're seeing this everywhere. And God says, hold on a minute here. If you're going to worship me, you're not going to do it any old way you want. You're going to do it the way I say, or not at all. This is, this is Cain's problem. He's trying to worship God in his own way. Cain worshiped God in the way he wanted, an offering of vegetables and crops. Now, <laughs> Is it that God's not a vegan? <laughs> What's the problem here? Why, does it, why, does he, why is he not happy with Abel's gifts? Well, I'm going to tell you why. Do you remember when Adam and Eve sinned against God? God said, in the moment that you eat that fruit, your eyes are going to be open, and you're going to know the difference between what? Between good and evil. And of course, they didn't believe God. They didn't say yes to God. And so, in fact, their eyes were opened. And suddenly, they were very much aware of the fact that they were naked. And so what happens? Folks, we experience or see the very first sacrifice in the Old Testament. Animals have to be killed so that their skins can be used to cover up the nakedness of Adam and Eve. Now, let the Spirit of God speak to your heart right now. Because when we fast forward to the book of Hebrews, here's what we discover. The Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. When Adam, when, when Adam and Eve sinned against God, blood was shed because of their sin. Now watch this. We come to their sons, Abel and Cain. And Abel is worshiping God the way that God says that he must be worshiped. And Cain says, no, I'm not, I don't want to spend any money buying my brother's sheep so I can make an offering. I'm just going to give some of my own produce. And God says, no, you can't do it your own way. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Now, folks, look at this. Thousands of years before Jesus comes to this earth, we see a shadow, a foretaste of what is going to happen when Jesus would come. It was through the shedding of Jesus' blood, him dying on the cross for our sins, that our sins were washed away. You don't worship God the way you want. 
You worship God the way he instructs us to. This is what faith is. Faith says yes to God. I'm gonna do it your way, God. I'm not gonna do it my way. The Bible tells us clearly that we can approach God and worship him only the way that he wants us to. Wow, are you seeing what's happening right now in, in so-called Christian churches? They have abandoned the faith. They don't want to hear about the shedding of Christ's blood. They don't want to hear about that. Don't talk to us about the cross. Don't talk to us about God's will or God's purpose or, or the restrictions that God has put upon us as human beings. Let us do what we want. Let us worship God the way we want. Let us live our lives as we want to live our lives. I'm going to tell you right now, folks, that Cross Church, as long as I'm able, until I'm thrown into jail for doing so, I'm going to continue to preach the Word of God as it is presented in this Bible. I am not going to deviate from the, to the left or to the right. I'm not going to compromise. We're not going to compromise our standards here. We're not going to compromise our belief system because there's a group of people that says, hold on a minute, that is homophobic. or any other kind of phobic that you want to come up with. We're going to preach the word of God. And we're going to worship God the way God says we have to worship him. What does God teach us? It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man, and God showed his approval of his gifts. With Abel's gift, there was a shedding of blood, looking forward through the centuries to the time that Jesus would come and die on the cross once and for all for your sins and for mine. Hallelujah. That, my friends, is why we have to be careful to worship God in the way that he prescribes. Some would say it's old-fashioned. Some would say we're too conservative. Some would say, well, they call us all kinds of names. But folks, listen to me. I'm not, not the one that wrote this book. I'm not the one that, that, that calls the shots. I'm not the one that makes these rules. I'm not the one that determines how we're going to worship God. Interestingly, folks, if you do some research on this, you will discover that the churches that are growing are churches that strictly adhere to the word of God. The churches that are now dying and emptying out are churches where people have decided they're going to worship God in their own way. At Cross Church, we are people of the cross. We believe in the shedding of blood for the remission of sin. That's who we are. That's how we function. That's what we believe. That's what we preach. That's what we teach. We do not recreate theology or truth to suit ourselves or to fit in with our experience or even with our understanding. Did you notice that the Bible begins with, in the beginning, God? It doesn't begin with, in the beginning, man. In the beginning, God. So here's the thing, folks. When you and I are going to the scripture, we begin first by asking, what does God say? What does God want? What is God saying? 
We don't approach the scripture by saying, well, here's my experience, and I wonder how I can impose my experience, my understanding on this word. That's not how it works. And that, my friends, is why, why Christianity is suffering, why the church is dying in the Western world. We've tried to recreate scripture, recreate the truth in ways that pleases us. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God. By the way, what is faith? Believe God and then do what he says. And I'm going to be totally honest with you. Sometimes it's really hard just to blindly believe God and do what he says. Sometimes I just think, oh, do I have to do it that way? Can I do it my way? Are you like that? Anybody else? Just rain me. God's telling you what you need to do, and you're just saying, no, I think I'll just do it my own way today, God. God, I don't think I need your instruction or guidance today. Today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this on my own. Or God, I think I'm actually a little smarter than you are on this. Or God, you wrote the Bible like thousands of years ago, so you know, you're not really up with the time. So I, you know, I'm, tw- I'm you know, born in this uh, in last century. I'm really quite bright and I'm really up with things and up with the times. And God, I'm, I'm going to, I'll just do it my own way. Faith says, I'm going to believe God. Whatever he says, I'm going to believe him and I'm going to do what he says. And I don't care what, what, what anybody else says. I don't care what my culture says. I don't care what society says. I don't care what my friends say or what my family says. Um, I don't care what the voice inside my head says. I'm going to say, yes, God. Yes, God. And I'm going to do what you say. That's what faith is. And you, here's the amazing thing, folks. When you, when you fast, you, you go to the Garden of Eden, it's the same. Believe God, do what he says. Adam and Eve did not believe God, and they did not do what God says, and, and you know what happened. All hell broke loose, Right? Fast forward to the time that Jesus dies on the cross for our sins, and guess what? Nothing has changed. We still have to believe God and do what he says. Jesus Jesus asks us to put our faith in him, to believe him and do what he says. You see that? It's interesting, isn't it? All through the centuries, nothing changes. Believe God and do what he says. The only thing that really changes are the different means and methods that God uses. But ultimately, nothing changes. We believe God and do what he says. And every time, watch this, folks, every time you say yes to God, every time you believe him and do what he says, guess what happens? You pass the test. You pass the test with flying colors. The interesting thing, listen, this is so cool, folks. Is anybody ever here ever got straight A's all the time? There's a few people, there's a few that are too modest and never put their hand up because here, here's the amazing thing. In God's economy, if you are saying yes to God every time, if you're saying yes to God and, and, and you're doing what he says, then you get straight A's. With God, it's straight A's or fails. There's nothing in between. It's either you're getting 100% or you're failing. Now, could you imagine going to a school like that, Pam? That would be amazing, right? You go to a school, if you, if you don't get 100% in all your courses, you fail. But this sounds like a harsh school, Pastor Ellen. It's not really that harsh. Because all you have to do is say yes to God. 
You don't even have to understand what you're saying yes to. <laughs> you don't even have to get it. All you have to do is say, yes, I'm willing to do what you say, Lord. And if you say yes and do what he says, even if you don't get it, I mean, can you imagine Adam, or not Adam, uh, imagine Abraham and Sarah. Abraham says to Sarah, hey, we're, we're, we're leaving home. And Sarah says, where are we going? I don't know. So you really, you want me to pack everything up here and just go wherever you say? And Abraham, yeah, yeah, that's about it. So just pack up, leave my, leave my family, leave your family, leave the comfort, the safety of our city. And, and Abraham, yeah. And Sarah says, and why should we do this? Well, because uh, someone told me to. And who is this person who told you? Well, you can't see him. Where does he live? Well, I really don't know. But he's spoken to, yes. And who is this? Well, he's God. And who is this God? Well, you don't really know him. <laughs> and I don't know him that well either. But he says yes to God. And Sarah also says yes to God. They believe God and they did what he said. And for this, Abraham was blessed. In fact, you know what the Bible says? That because Abraham believed God, God counted that as righteousness. Did you hear that? When you believe God and do what he says, God counts that as righteousness. Folks, that is what holiness is really all about. Some people think, man, when you talk about holiness, it means don't smoke, don't drink, don't dance, don't chew tobacco, don't go out with girls who chew tobacco. <laughs> I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what faith is. Faith just simply says yes to God. That's what holiness is. Holiness is saying, God, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. There was a, a woman, and uh, she came face to face with Jesus. Jesus has been preaching, preaching the gospel, the coming of the kingdom of God. His disciples, I don't know, they think they went out looking for something to eat. They were going to a local McDonald's or something to get hamburgers, and there's Jesus at the, at the well. And it wasn't just any well, by the way. It was in Samaritan territory. And this woman comes along, and Jesus says, hey, can you give me something to drink? And this woman is quite shocked because Jesus is a Jew. She can see the way he's dressed, and she's not Jewish. She's Samaritan, and, and she's kind of confused. And why are you talking to me? I'm a woman. You're a man. I'm Samaritan. You're Jewish. You shouldn't be talking to me. And Jesus says, just give me something to drink. We have to make a big production out of this. Just give me something to drink. And she says, why are you asking me for a drink? <laughs> And Jesus says, well, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Oh, what's this about? Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. That, then I'll, I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here to get water anymore. She's a smart chick. <laughs> Imagine getting this living water, and you never have to go to the well again. Never carry water in your head. Just stay home and, and just be satisfied all the time. And Jesus uh, doesn't answer that silly remark. Too glad that Jesus doesn't always answer our silly remarks. And, she's, and, and Jesus says to her, go, go, uh, go get your husband. She says, well, I don't have a husband. Jesus says, well, you're right. You don't have a husband. You've got five. 
who told you that? Who are you? And suddenly she realizes that she's speaking to someone who must be a prophet. She has no idea that she is speaking to the Son of God. He says, you got five husbands. In fact, the one you're with right now, you're not married to him. <laughs> and uh, you're, you're living with him, and you, you really know you shouldn't be. And then Jesus says, you're, you're speaking the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worship? And Jesus said, believe me, woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or on the Temple Mount, Jerusalem. And here's why. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Abel worshiped God in spirit and in truth. Cain, on the other hand, had a bogus faith. It was fake. It wasn't real. He went through the motions. He showed up for church on Sunday. He sang all the songs. He put some money in the offering plate. He volunteered where he could, complimented the pastor, and what a great sermon. I like that, Cain. <laughs> Jesus says, the only way to worship the Lord is through obedience. Believe God and do what he says. And if you're here today thinking that you can worship God in any old way you want, that you can just be a Christian in your own terms, I'm going to tell you right now, the Spirit of God is here to speak to you. And I want you to listen very carefully to what I'm saying now. Because you cannot recreate Christianity according to your own understanding, your own wisdom, your own knowledge, your own experience, your own prejudices, your own interpretations. That's what Cain did. And it ended him up in a heap of trouble. He said yes to Satan, who comes to rob and kill and destroy. And Jesus is here today speaking to you and telling us that you and I need to surrender and to submit to Jesus and do things Jesus' way. Would you say amen to that? There was a song that came out some years ago, and it goes like this, very, very profound. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord. You, do you know it? It's, it's really hard to learn. Yeah, yeah. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Yes, yes. Yeah, you're learning it. Good for you. I remember saying to Carol Coomer one day, you know, it's kind of a silly song, and is it yes, 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 yes. And, you know, I'm kind of looking down my nose because it didn't sound very theological, and, you know, where's the poetry, and, you know, where the, and... She says, well, I think, I, I think it's a good song. I like it. So how is that, pastor? <laughs> I got put in my place. And then I actually thought about it. And I thought, actually, that's one of the best songs ever written. Because at the end of the day, as Christians, that's precisely what we are being called to do, is to say, yes, Lord. And to say, yes, yes, 
yes every single time. Cain refused to say yes to the Lord. Abel said yes, and God attributed that to righteousness. Abraham said yes to the Lord, and God counted that as righteousness. If you're here today and your life is off track, if you're not where you need to be spiritually, then I'm gonna say to you today, today needs to be the day where you say to the Lord, yes, Lord, I'm gonna believe you, I'm gonna do what you say. Forgive me, God, for not having faith. And it is impossible. Did you hear that? It is impossible to please God without faith. Let's, let's, just, let's just interpret that a bit. It is impossible to please God without believing him and doing what he says. Anyone who wants to come to God must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Do you know that at the end of your prayer every day, that is if you're praying the Lord's Prayer, Jesus tells us to pray. That's no, the last petition. Do you remember what it is? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. What is he saying? What, what does that mean? And in case you can't remember, I'm going to remind you, and then we're going to close. That word temptation, actually in the Greek, means testing. So really, what, what we're praying is, God, in the middle of the test, when I'm being tested, because we're all going to be tested. You're going to be tested every day. When I'm being tested, help me not to give in to temptation. What's the temptation? It's to do your will and not God's will. God, when I'm being tested, help me to say, yes, Lord. When I'm being tested, help me, God, not to given to the temptation to do my will. When I'm being tested, God, help me to do your will every single time. Amen? Let's stand together, shall we? Lord Jesus, you taught us how to pray. And it's fitting that at the end of the prayer, you teach us to pray, lead us not into temptation. Or when we're being tested, help us to get through without being tempted. God, help us, we pray, to say yes to you every single time, the way that Abel did. Your word tells us that Abel is still an excellent example for us of what a godly man is. God, Abel did not try to reinterpret your purposes and your word. He did exactly what you told him to do, and for this, he had your favor. Cain, on the other hand, said, I'm going to worship God the way I want. I'm going to recreate. I'm going to make my own religion. And for this, he had rejection. God, I think everyone here today wants the abundant life that Jesus promises. Everyone here today wants the pleasure of God. And so we're praying for grace today to surrender and submit to you so that your will is done on earth as it is in heaven. Help us, Lord, as we're being tested to pass the test for your glory and honor. And everyone said it with me? Amen. Tell the person beside you, go pass the test.